one. What's going on, everybody? This is the I Am Pitts podcast, and this is your host, Dexter Pitts, otherwise known as DP or Dex. All right, so let's get ready to get into it. And let me tell you all how excited I am. As you all know, I got love for my country and I got love for law enforcement. And you all also know that I am also a proud former Border Patrol agent. Shout out to class Border Patrol Academy class 1110. Hope y'all doing well out there safe, keeping the country safe down on the border. But a lot of you all don't know my story of how I came to want to become a Border Patrol agent and become a federal, a federal agent for the Border Patrol. I remember hearing the story of Border Patrol agent Brian Terry, who was also a Vortex uh, agent for the BP. Scott was amazing. I remember hearing the story, how he was in the Marine Corps. And after the Marine Corps, he joined the local police department back in Michigan. And after that, he joined the Border Patrol. And shortly after joining the Border Patrol, he joined Vortex. And after hearing his life story and the tragic ending of his life and how he was killed in Rio Rico, Arizona, Man, I just felt compelled to turn my life around and become better. And hearing his story inspired me. Because a lot of you know, I used to be 320 pounds. But after hearing his story, I became just so focused on making myself better. And always, the saying, apparently he always used to say was, put in the work. And I was willing and ready to put in the work. And up losing 100 pounds, I was able to join the Border Patrol. But with that said, I'd like to introduce a very, very special guest Today, we have none other than Brian Terry's brother, Kent Terry, on the show today. Kent, what's going on? How you doing, on, man, brother? Dex? Man. How you hey, doing, Brad? I'm, I'm great, man. Even better now that I got you on here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> man, so you still live in, uh, you currently live in Michigan, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Whole life. Whole life. Whole life. When you, ever get, when you get done being cold, we got it's a little warmer down here in Kentucky for you. So I don't know, man. Yeah, I can probably deal with Kentucky weather. So just not that Arizona heat, man, or Texas yeah. heat. Yeah, that. Well, and also, y'all also got that governor too. So that might be another reason to leave. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? There's gonna there's rumor going around that our Chief Craig of uh, Detroit Police is gonna yeah. retire and uh, go for governor there. Uh, so I think, he, I think he's got a good shot considering the her previous track record, man. I guarantee oh, you, ain't, gotcha. ain't nobody gonna be she's trying not, to kidnap keep, kidnap that chief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not well liked here, man. To be honest with you, so not a, not at all. But man, we're gonna go ahead and get into it. So, man, Ken, if you could tell me just what was it like growing up with Brian Terry? Trouble, man. <laughs> we got in trouble all the time, man. All the time. I mean, it was just petty stuff, you know, like stuff around the neighborhood, man, blowing up mailboxes, shooting out streetlights, <laughs> stuff like that with BB guns, man. But but we were always in trouble, you know, ruining the farmer's fields and stuff like that. We always had law enforcement at our house, man. It was crazy. Nothing bad, though. We never robbed or, uh, you know, stuff like that. But it was just mischief, you know. It sounds so, like he was a perfect fit for the Marine Corps. <laughs> you know what? It, it, well... A lot of my family members are Marine Corps. You know, they're in the Marine Corps, you know. Uh, my uncles, my cousins, and stuff like that. And I think Brian just wanted to follow that footstep, you know. So, and he did. So, but to be honest with you, we were, we were both uh, going to join together. And they wouldn't let us join together because we carry on the last name, Terry. Oh, it was me or him. So, he went out in the parking lot and flipped the coin, and he won. Oh, so, wow. yeah, and he went. And I was going to wait about six months and go. And next thing you know, I got into trade school. And. Still doing the same thing now. So. Nice. And what do you do now? I'm a heavy equipment operator. 
So, so you got a real job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I run excavator and dozer, stuff like that. So I like it. 20-something years now. And so like, uh, when did uh, Brian decide after he got out of the military that he wanted to become a police officer? You know, like I said, uh, my uncle, uh, Bob Hires, was uh, a police officer. He started out in 1954 here in Lincoln Park on uh, motorcycle police. And then uh, worked his way out up to be chief of police. Well, Brian just got out of the Marine Corps. Uh, when he got out of the chief of police, but he just, they just had that bond, you know, and, and Brian wanted to be a Lincoln Park police officer. And that was his dream, you know, and that's, uh, that's how he got started in law enforcement. You know, my kind of my uncle and my cousin took him under his wing and that's it. I mean, I got a lot of family mothers, brother-in-laws and other family members are Detroit officers or, or state police here in Michigan. You know, they just took him under his wing and he, he liked it and he wanted to do it. And, you know, like you said, put into work and uh, he followed through with it and, he just kept wanting to go up the ladder and his next step after border patrol and board tech was secret service. That's oh, what he was. Oh. That was his next move. Yep. Yeah, I know that. that oh, he would have definitely done well at that. Yeah. Look yeah. forward to everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> how long was he with the uh, Lincoln police department there? Uh, he started off, uh, he got out of uh, college there. Then he went to Schoolcraft college, which is uh, uh law enforcement college here, uh, Academy police Academy. And, uh, he went to E-Course for, I want to say, three or four years, uh, which is a neighboring city of uh, Lincoln Park. And then he transferred over to Lincoln Park, I want to say about the same, three or four years before joining the Border Patrol. So, Nice, man. And now I've heard some great stories from articles about some of the things he did with the PD there. He's got a couple of awards, I believe. Can you uh, elaborate on some of those great stories? Uh, yeah, well, we got a retirement high-rise uh, building here. I think it's about... 13 or 14 floors. And there was a elderly man though, that uh, just started shooting people uh, inside the elder, inside the nursing home there. And uh, Brian's first standing job in Lincoln park. Oh, this very first day, him and uh, his buddy, Jeff Mueller uh, was his uh, uh, field. Uh, what do you field officer? Is that what you call him? Oh uh, yeah. For, uh, FTO. Yeah. FTO. yeah. And uh, that was it. That was, and he got an award for that. He went in there and uh, him and Mueller took out the guy and uh, uh, that's it. Saved a lot of lives. So, man, that is awesome. You know? Yeah. That's amazing. That first day at that. <laughs> yeah. It was very first day. I think it was just like a third or fourth hour on the shift. So mm. in the city of Lincoln Park. <laughs> so. So, so what was the family's reaction when he told you all, Hey, I think I'm going to join the border patrol. You know what? He didn't, he didn't, he kept it quiet, right? That's how Brian always was. He didn't want <laughs> He didn't want no one to know his secret. You know what I'm saying? What he was doing. I mean, it's, for some reason, it's the way he's been since a little kid. And he didn't tell us until the day he actually got accepted and that he was going to the academy. So, and actually he got accepted, I think, the day before my birthday. So, I think it was uh, July 23rd. So. <laughs> Just, hey, yeah. surprise. Uh, yeah, he, 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 I mean, he didn't even tell my mom nothing until like days before he was leaving. I wow. think he wanted to make sure it was 100% before he told anybody. That's how Brian was. He never wanted to give, you know, tell everybody his secrets or, you know, tell anybody anything. If he wasn't 100%, but I think when he found out it was 100% legit, that's when he said, okay, I'm going. We were all kind of shocked. We were shocked because we thought he wanted to be a Lincoln Park officer the rest of his life, you know, follow my uncle's footsteps and stuff like that. And we were shocked, man. But, you know, that's that was his dream. And he wanted to move up the ladder. And that's what he did. So. Nice. And I, that's, oh man, what was your mom's reaction? Cause I know y'all are very close to your mother. 
she was nervous. She was nervous, especially with all the chaos going down on there and, you know, being so close to Mexico. And I mean, she was scared, but, you know, she knew Brian loved his job and, you know, he liked that, uh, what do you call it, uh, adventure. So, and uh, she accepted it. So and she had full support. And that, you know, there's nothing better than a supportive mother, you know, because I remember when I joined the military, was going to war, my mom did not want to let me go. She told me everything that could possibly happen to me to try to convince me to, to not leave. And I was like, well, I'm still going. So, you know, so, well, that, so he joins the Border Patrol. How long was he in the Border Patrol before he uh, joined Bortac? Uh, I think he was in the Border Patrol because he started in 2007. I think he was on uh, a year and a half, I think. Yeah, a year and a half, I think. And then uh, he joined Bortac. Nice. Now, everybody, I'm sure everybody's familiar. If you look up Brian Terry on Google, everybody will see the iconic picture. There's even a statue of the of him carrying the guy on oh. his shoulders at the Border Patrol station I was at. Man, There's can you right behind me? Actually. Yeah, yeah. Man, can you tell us the story behind that and what happened? From what you know. Well, from from what I was told, they're in the Bortec uh, uh, training, and uh, the officer you see on. Um, I don't want to give out his name, but uh, they were in training together. And uh, as you would know, they had their, their helmets on, but they had their name duct taped to the back of them. So somehow the helmets got changed around somewhere in training. And they, Brian just grabbed one with someone else's name, so and grabbed Brian's. And the guy that had Brian's helmet screwed up, and they made Brian carry this gentleman. <laughs> in a hundred and something degree heat i think for like a quarter mile or a half mile or something like that you know and whatever terrain you guys had out there i'd never seen it so but uh then they found out hey brian 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 we, we mistake you know someone else has got your helmet on blah 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 and brian goes no i'll finish so and the guy in the shoulders actually told me the whole story and he said your brother was actually determined to finish but he had gears because the guy in his shoulders was 200 and something pounds Plus all you guys is here. So, and Brian still carried him like a half mile or something like that, five-eighths of a mile. So. That man is a physical specimen, man. Every picture I've seen, he is just an absolute beast. Was he like that growing up? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, actually, he was, he loved to run. He was a track guy, track and cross country. He never touched the weight. He never touched the weight until he got out of the Marine Corps. (laughs) Yeah. All you want to do is run. He was kind of like a Forrest Gump, you know? Just run, run, run. So that's, I mean, seriously, that's all. You get up every morning and go running. And then, uh, like you said, cross country and track all with your high school. So the complete opposite of me, brother. I hate running. You know, even yeah. though, even being in Army infantry, I've never liked to run. <laughs> I do it because it's a necessary evil, but nothing yeah. other than that, man. And now we all, like I said, a lot of people know the story, man. And I know y'all have told the story. And like, I still get tears hearing about it. So the night that he passed, can you elaborate a little bit more from your perspective on everything that happened from what you know and when you got the phone call and what was the family's reaction like? Well, see, seeing that Michigan, it was at three hours behind wintertime. Was it three hours or two hours behind? <clears throat> I believe it was about uh, three hours. Yeah, three hours. Well, I guess to the incident, the shootout happened at 11.15 Arizona time. But in Michigan time, we're already in bed, you know. And I didn't find out until my sister started calling me my house at like 4.30 in the morning, Michigan time. And I'm like, why is she calling me so early? You know, I hope she don't want to ride to work because I wasn't feeling like, you know. <laughs> but I, I, I ignored the phone call and I ignored the phone call. And I'm just like tired. And finally, 
you know, I finally picked up and she's like, gotta come over here right now. I'm like, she's crying. I'm like, what's the matter? Because I don't want to say nothing on the phone. But I mean, I thought maybe her and her, her husband got in an argument or something or you know, something like that. You know, some just something, I don't know. Uh, but I never thought it would be something about Brian. And and uh, when I walked in the door, I seen two of my friends that are Detroit police officers sitting in the kitchen with my sister. And they're actually on their way to work. My sister called them, says, hey, I can't get a hold of Kent. Is there a way you can, you know, be here when he gets here? Because I don't know how he's going to take the news. Well, when my sister told me, it, it was kind of strange because I just like, no, he's coming home Friday. I got to pick him up at the airport Friday. This was Tuesday. And he's like, she's like, no, you know, 15 minutes for a shift, blah, blah, blah. And, then, and I'm like, and I, I just, I passed out. I passed out. And to be honest with them, when I woke up, I walked down in her basement. I've seen a bottle of Jack Daniels and I downed the whole thing, man. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. And I just, that was it. I was like, wow. I was, that was numb. I was shocked. I was numb for like, until we actually went to the airport that same Friday to pick him up in the belly of a plane. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I mean that I'll remember that the rest of my life and no family should ever have to go through that. No, no family ever should. You know, I've seen the video of y'all at the airport to pick them up, you know, it just gives me, it still gives me chills just with watching it. And yeah. Do you are, were you aware of the circumstances of what led to his death that night? Uh, no, we were just told that he got the shootout with, with some, a rip crew. And that's all we were told. So, and first they said they apprehended for him. Then they didn't apprehend any. So, you know, how when the first, everything comes out, everybody gets mixed, you know, mixed information. They were given, kind of giving it to us. And then, uh, we really didn't know until about four months later when Cheryl Atkinson and uh, uh, John Dotson did that piece. And I was just happened to watch it. I even know nothing about what happened. And that April when that story came out, I'm like, then they put a picture of my brother up. I'm like, whoa. You know, this whole Fast and Furious gun scandal thing. And so, like, from, from the time Brian died till April, we didn't know nothing about it. Wow. It was kept tight-lipped. Very tight-lipped. Not even an agent would tell us anything like that. So, and, and it's been, what, 10, about what, roughly 10 years? 10 years. December 10 years. Being, yeah. December yep, 10, 10 years and still no answers, no accountability, no justice. And, you know, and that's what drives me crazy. You know, I've been in the streets for the last year, and people keep talking about they want justice for this and that. And then you have somebody like your brother who has put his life on the line for his country his community and goes to do it again dies in service to this country and the powers that be and the government at that time the obama administration were sending these guns south to yep. these cartel members in the atf to try to track them back and yep. your brother gets killed in the process and they don't tell you all a single thing nope they kept the hush hush and, you know as fact we found out when we all found out i was talking to some atf agents off, off to the side and they said it was more like 4,500 AK-47s that they sent south to the border, untraced and untracked. Wow. So it wasn't like Operation, you know, wide receiver under Bush, where they were all, you know, tracked and, uh, you know, we accounted for. This was totally the opposite. So, and it was kind of heartbreaking to hear that a country that doesn't allow weapons, and here we're sending weapons to a country that doesn't allow weapons. So, it, 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 to me, it's just bottom line. It didn't make no sense to me. So, you know, and, I'm, and it still doesn't make sense, you know. And I tell people all the time, it, I love my country dearly, but I don't trust the people in charge at the moment. I just, 
I just can't. When you hear stories like this, like, how could you trust these people when, and they won't even hold themselves accountable. But the no. moment we messed up, the moment we mess up as citizens, they want to hold us account, accountable and hold our feet to the fire. And, how, yep. and, and have, now there, there have been people that were involved in the incident that night that shot and killed your brother, correct? That have yes. been apprehended and are doing Yes, time. yeah. Uh, I think four, this would be the fourth one. They're not even all been tried yet. There's, I think we're on number four right now. Uh, and and it's we're still waiting because it's been postponed because of COVID, 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 COVID. So now they're pushing for this September once again. I mean, I don't want to keep going in that courtroom and seeing my brother on a morgue table, you know, and, it's, it's, it, and you know, blood's still spilling out of him. I mean, it, it, it's, it's sickening. I just want to reach over the counter and hit that guy. But I don't really blame them guys, to be honest with you. I blame the government for putting the weapons in the hands, their hands. That's what that's what kind of screws, you know, makes me mad. So. And that should make all of us mad, you know, and I just oh, I just can't even fathom it. It just, just it just irks my soul knowing that somebody as great as him paid the sacrifice because of the mistakes. I ain't gonna say mistakes, but the intentional misuse of the government, you know, to put him in that position. It's just well, yeah, and then they, and then they turn around and do exactly the privilege on my brother's death. I mean, we, we can't even get documents or answers to why it happened and how it happened and how he died, really. So we just know he got shot. That's it. Now, have y'all sent, did y'all send letters to the administration asking for answers? And I think Obama and Eric Holder as well, correct? I had a meeting with Eric Holder, a personal meeting. And the son of a SOB lied to my face. He says, when we find out who's responsible for your brother's death, we're going to hold them accountable. You believe that? I know what considering politicians, I absolutely believe it. You know what? And then turn around and get held in contempt over Fast and Furious. And he knew about it. So the hypocrisy in DC, just not, I'm not just saying Obama and Holder, but on both parties, man, it runs deep and it's sickening. Because like you just said earlier, it's the little man that always pays the consequences. So it's never them. Man. So what's the next step for the Brian Terry with the, for the Terry family? with all of this and the, and the wake for justice. Cause I see y'all constantly go down to the border and you know, y'all, I see y'all go down to visit where he was killed at that night and that beautiful statue, man, let me tell you, I don't know who designed that thing, brother, but the first day when I walked into the Brian A. Terry station, that was the first thing I noticed with that statue. And I was like, man, I finally made it. And I just yeah. saw that statue and I saw the coins at the base and the pictures of the family there and pictures of him throughout the station, man. I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> You know, actually, it was a Border Patrol agent that that designed that and got it going for us. So I got it started, started raising money for it. Then my mom contributed some money. And then uh, we were shocked to see it in person. It was just like, wow. It's I mean, massive. Brian, I mean, Brian would be like, yep, this is me. <laughs> so, <laughs> this, is, this is me, man. So he I'll be here me, forever. He strikes me like the guy would be like, man, I don't want no statue. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, but now he's like, you know what? I'm here forever now. You ain't getting rid of me now. No, so. I mean, we got a, the entire station. Is, the station is named after him. The Brian A. Terry station used to be the Naco station. So, you know, when I found out I was getting hired by the Border Patrol, the only station I wanted to go to, I was like, I want to go to the Brian A. Terry station in Bisbee, Arizona. You know? And I somehow magically got it. And, you know, and I tell people, one of the proudest days of my life, I've done a lot of things I was proud of, but... Man, graduating from Army Boot Camp was great. Graduating from LMPD Academy was great. But graduating from the Border Patrol Academy 
was absolutely phenomenal because of the amount of work you have to put in. And man, that day when I found out, hey, Brian's brother Kent and his nephew are going to be here for our graduation ceremony. I was like, yo, this is unreal. And I remember meeting you, I think it was after the graduation ceremony at the airport the next day. And I took a picture with you yeah. and your nephew, Logan, man. And I still look at that picture like, man, I get sad because I look at how skinny I was and I don't know what happened. Some <laughs> <laughs> donuts, right? Man, coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, my nephew, yeah, he was, uh, he's an explorer program here in Michigan, man. So Border Patrol Explorer. But he's he's going to follow his uncle's footsteps. So, Man, well, he's got some big shoes to fill, but carrying that last name and, Man, I think he's definitely going to be able to do it, man. The man, like, just when I met him, I was like, he's a sharp kid. Yeah, a very sharp kid. Well put, well spoken, well put together. Good looking guy. Y'all make yep. some good looking people over there in the Terry family, man. What's the secret? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. So, but like you said, we all got gained a little bit of weight right now because of COVID. But I think uh, the gym's kind of heavy right now. So oh, everybody's been going there. All of us carries. <laughs> So we've all been going to the gym, but it's just hard to get back into it right now. So. And now, one of the last things I want to talk about with you is you all set up a foundation, correct? Honorbryanterry.com, yes. My sister, uh, my sister started it, yep. All right, and now what is the purpose behind the foundation and how can people help contribute and support? <laughs> well, uh, you can go to honorbryanterry.com. And the thing is, though, it's, uh, I think we gave out over 72 or 74 scholarships right now the kids that want to go into school for criminal justice law enforcement anything to do with law lawyer uh, police officer uh, anything like that um, uh, but we raise money in golf outings and uh, other little things and uh, privately funded things through other people that uh, help contribute to the brian terry foundation and uh, like i said we gave out over 70 scholarships now in seven years man that's so, awesome Yep. So his legacy is continuing on through you all. And that is yes. why I wanted to have you on the show, because that is one thing I wanted to do with my book and just with this podcast is continue to pay homage to the people that continue to keep this country free. And what people don't realize is that, you know, we might put the uniform on and go to work, but our families are there with us when we're making out there in the streets. And when something happens to us, you know, our families feel the brunt of it and your family's been carrying this load since he's passed for almost 10 years. And I just want to tell you personally, thank you to the Terry family for y'all sacrifice and what y'all have done for this country. You know, it's oh, people like Brian you know, that keep that keep that keep this country together. And I you know like I said, I want to honor his name and honor you all for that. We know we're not we're not done yet, man. We're gonna continue the fight until we get some kind of answers. Until then, we're just gonna keep pushing and raising money and helping people go to school and like I said with the scholarship fund and stuff like that but we're not done yet we're not going away we're not going away to get some kind of closure so the fight's just brother, beginning brother the fight's just you beginning. know what I'm, I, I you know what when i put my brother in the ground man i i promised him you know what i won't give up and find an answers for you so, i mean it's pretty sad i mean you took a bullet for this country you know you, you shed blood on in th in this soil not a foreign soil this soil protecting your homeland and this is how the government treats you it's it's pretty sad just you, you know, know just like with the families within Benghazi, they're pretty much in the same situation we are, you know? Oh, yeah. So, no it, was, it was the same with the Pat Tillman, the yeah. uh, NFL guy, man. The same thing, you know, the friendly fire incident. The government tried to cover it up. Didn't tell yeah. the family what really happened for years. And then, 
you can only hide the truth for so long. Well, the truth always surfaces. I believe that. And just like my mom said, you know what? Just tell me the truth. Don't lie to me. You know, just tell us the truth. You know, it's better to tell the truth then than it is now. So, but we're, we're, we're still fighting. We're not giving up. So, well, I will be here to support you all. I can't play golf, but it has been one of my goals <laughs> to get up there to one of those golf tournaments one day, brother. Oh, you know what? We have them every year, same month, every year, September. So September. You're always more than welcome to come. I got a free house. I mean, free house to stay at right here for you. Yes, sir. So you come yes, over here sir. and stay, hang out. We'll have a couple of drinks and have a cigar. I'm from Kentucky, so you know I'm all about drinking. <laughs> hey, you know, Kentucky ain't too far, man. I think you're no, right. it's not bad. You're northern Kentucky or uh, I'm about in Louisville. Yeah, you can say, yeah, about probably I think Michigan's probably about it's six, seven, eight hours from yeah, me. I was gonna say six hours, six, seven hours. I made it there in Louisville before, I think it was. I was doing a little over the speed limit, but I made it there about six or seven hours. Well, I'll tell you now, it's safe to speed anywhere in Louisville now because we ain't doing no proactive work here, brother. So you say. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to touch on one thing about you guys all right now, all you guys carrying that badge, man. It's just, you know, you guys got to be safe out there, especially with all that's going on because it's, it's sad because we never had all this until we didn't have it under Clinton. We didn't have it under Bush. I mean, it's not the party, it's the individual. I mean, it just seemed like it just started within the last 10, 10 years, man, 10, 11 years it started. So yep. started in uh, Ferguson, Missouri, man. It, I remember policing what it was like before the Mike Brown incident. You know, and the Ferguson effect is real, brother. It is absolutely real. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I watch it all, on the news all the time, all these rioting and rioting. And, you know, and then they, you got a president that wants to push for unity, but at the same time, he's enticing it. Yep. So, but you know, we're losing all our officers just across the country. Everybody's going to Florida or Texas. You know, Governor DeSantis down in Florida, he gave all the law enforcement guys a thousand dollars. And I'm like, man, I'm so tempted, you know, but I'm just like, I believe that God has me where I am for a reason. Yep. And there needs to be somebody here to keep my guys motivated and encouraged. And I'm going to try my best to do that. But like I say to the younger guys that are leaving, I don't blame them one bit, man. No. And you know what? It seems like there's a lot. You get on Facebook, a lot of the people are doing that retiring thing in the car. You know, it's just like, wow. You never seen that the last no. two years. No. You know, or the last four years or five years. It just the last six months, you see more people retiring than anything. Yeah. Guys so. used to hang around five to 10 years past their eligibility point. But now, man, these guys are hitting that 20 year mark. They are out of here. And yeah, I don't blame them. But, yeah, I was gonna say I don't blame them either. I mean, why? Sometimes a lot of these chiefs of police in these different countries—I mean, these counties and uh, cities—they don't even have their backs anymore. No. So, well, you know, I tell people with a lot of chiefs, you gotta—they're politicians, and for the most part, they haven't been on the street in a long time. I just saw an article the other day where there's this police chief—I forgot where it was. I was gonna post it, but I forgot. He's gonna take the Joe Biden route with, you know, why don't you just shoot him in the leg or? uh Fire a shot off in the air. Yeah. Okay, that bolt, that bolt, that bolt's gonna land somewhere. Yeah, you know. So. And I was looking at reading the article, and it said that he had a total experience of three years on the street in patrol, and this man's been doing it like thirty-five years, so he's got three years of experience in the street, and that's three years back in like the eighties or nineties. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is absolutely ridiculous. You have sheep leading lions. Yeah. That doesn't work. No, that has never worked. It's not, it's not, it's not going to end well. It's, I don't, I, I think it's going to, something bad's going to happen. I, I don't know, but it's sad for you guys, man, because you guys don't know if you guys are coming home. No, you know, these protesters, you know, they say 
you know, they got a choice. Well, they got a choice too, you know. Well, they made a choice putting on that badge. Well, they made a choice committing a crime. So, oh, yeah. like I said, they're coming to our houses now. Like I told people a couple of weeks ago, we were working a protest in downtown or in a Bargetown Road area in Louisville. They said, we're coming for you. We're coming for your families. We're coming to shed y'all's blood. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, why is it nothing being done over that? It's nothing. Just, but nothing. when a police officer does something, oh, boy. Oh, oh, it's, oh, oh, he did it. He said it. He said it. Get his badge number. Get his badge. But like I say, I know the game. I know they say these things to invoke a certain response for us to. And like I, say, I don't give them the satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I know the game. But some guys like, you know, you, we've been doing this for over a year now. And part of my language, but ship meters are getting full for a lot of us. And that's why yeah. a lot of guys are leaving. And, and there's going to be more of these incidents and misunderstandings. And like I, say, I hate that because I love this country. And I want people to practice their second or the first amendment rights. However, you can't accost people that are, have nothing to do with this as they're walking down the street and just get in their face and start yelling and putting your fist in their face and standing yeah. in front of them with a loaded rifle that ne- does not end well. And like I said, honestly, I'm surprised more people have not more citizens have not started fighting back and doing and saying things in response to this. It's still quiet. It, it, well, it's always calm before the storm. So, I mean, yeah, I wish it's, it's sad school. because I mean, look, look at that one police officer that just retired and lost his life protecting the store. You know? Oh yeah, no St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just enough. You don't hear about that. No, you don't hear about that. No, that, man, he was. It was a blip. It wasn't even a blip. wasn't even a blip. I remember that man. He had served like so many years. He was chief, I think, wasn't he? I think he was chief. Or yeah, I think, he, I think he might have been. Yeah, and they, man, and they just gunned him down in the middle of the street in front of that. Didn't thing. care. They didn't care. Not a nope. word is said. Media didn't care, but when a police officer does it, yep. it's it's the end of the world, man. They they sit and wait, lay and wait for us to make mistakes. That's why I tell all these new guys, like, man, we got to have our stuff together. We got to make sure we're doing it by the book <laughs> every time. Because you know what? You, there used to be room for error. Now there is no room no. for error. No, every mistake no. can be fatal. Just like but the I, uh, lady in Brook, I think Brook Center in uh, Minnesota. She shot the kid instead of uh, pulling her taser and she shot him on accident. Yeah. Like, just every little thing that happens just pushes us closer to that brink. And I pray to God that we can avoid it coming to that in this country. Cause I said, I've been to war and I do not want to see that type of thing unfold in this country. Cause it is ugly. And I tell all my listeners, I have the scars to prove it. And I have the nightmares to prove it. Yeah. But I just pray that maybe somehow, people will wake up to the reality of what's going on and start thinking for themselves. But that's a tall order right now, brother. Cause it's like, nobody can think independently of social media or the news. Nope. But you know, Pitts, it's got, it's got to start from the top. It really it's does. Got to, it's got to start from the top. You got to start to set examples, you know, and start holding people, you know, accountable for what their actions are out on the streets right now. Yes, so sir. That, that's, that's the thing. That's I what mean, I live you, my life by. Yeah. I mean, they go out there and they and they they burn buildings down, rob stores, nothing. Nothing, brother. Nothing. That's and that's there's no, there's no accountability. That's why it keeps, it's going to continue. Yep. And I had I did a I did an episode a couple one of my first few episodes. I called it the political party of APR, the political party of accountability and personal responsibility, and that is where it all starts. And yep. unfortunately, we have people leading this country that don't practice n- neither of those values. No. And people are just running amok, brother. And yep. I said, it's scary, but like I said, I'm the, 
I wish I could leave, but I don't know. I can't. I can't leave the fight yet. Ah, uh, you guys, you gotta stay in the fight, man. Gotta stay in the, fight, in the fight, You know, sometimes I wish I was. I'm in my fifties now, but I wish I was younger because, you know, I would. Uh, well, I did get hired by Detroit uh, police uh, uh, back when Brian, about a year before Brian did, when the economy was starting to tank. We weren't working. My brother's like, "Hey, you know what, Ken? Why you, you know, you went to school for criminal justice? Why don't you uh, jump in and, you know?" I'm like, "You know what? I'll sign up for. You know what? I'll do Wayne County Sheriff's and went through the Wayne County Sheriff's. I'm like, yeah, they wanted to start you out at a certain amount. I'm like, yeah. And then I got a couple of family members of the Detroit cops, and they kind of helped me through there. I just got get ready to start the academy, and Brian got killed. Kinda, yeah. And then you know what? I told myself, you know what? I'm going to continue it, and. I just my head wasn't in the game there for a while, so I went back to doing what I was doing for. That is totally understandable, brother. Absolutely yeah. understandable. There's, yeah, I don't know how. I don't know what I. I couldn't even imagine. No, couldn't but I, I kind of regret it not following through with it. But who knows what I would have ended up, you know, being like. So that's why I kind of just like. You know, I had almost us. similar episode. You know, so in uh 2018, I guess it was the year 2018. I had, uh, was just in the Border Patrol Academy and I remember the government was shutting down and I flew home for the uh, sh- government shutdown. And it was the day after I got home, I woke up, my my friend called me, told me that my old B partner, Deidre Mangado, she had been hit and killed on the interstate Christmas Eve. And I was getting ready to drive back to the Border Patrol Academy that night. And I was just in my mind thinking, there's no way I'm going to be able to finish this thing out. And, but somehow, man, I just gritted my teeth and pushed through, man. And it was the most miserable four months. Every day I woke up, I woke up and thought about Dee Dee. And I was like, man, I got to finish. Because I remember seeing her before I left. She yeah. was my partner when I was real big, when I was like 300 plus pounds. And she told me, she was like, Dex, I'm so proud of you. And I knew uh-huh. when she told me that, I was like, I got to finish, man. Yeah. I got to finish. And Lord, thank God I finished. But man, I, I tell you, you know, I... I miss my buddies, but I don't miss the border. <laughs> <laughs> or the heat, right? Oh, bro. <laughs> oh. oh, man. I, 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 I was just there a week. Was it a week ago? A week and a half ago, I was there for a few days down there. I stopped at Bryan Station. It was already in the 90s there. Oh, yeah. At like, at like 12 o'clock, and I'm like. Rattlesnake's starting to come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's I'll like. Pass. I will pass, brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I like visiting there, but I don't think I'd want to move. I mean, you know, live there, but I love visiting there and hanging out and seeing the guys and stopping at Brian station. And, but they kind of had that on lockdown though. Uh, when I went there, cause that, that's all that's going on down there. So, yeah. They're, yeah. They're but they busy. let me in. So now they better but, let you in. <laughs> <laughs> no, they did. They let me in. So, but, uh, I knew they were busy. I just, I didn't take up any time. I stayed there for about two or three minutes and, I said, I know you guys are busy. I just want to say hi and be safe down here. So, man, well, Kent, brother, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, man. I appreciate your time and I appreciate yeah, you anytime, sharing, anytime sharing the stories about your brother, man. Anytime, awesome, man. And I, you know, I know he's looking down over all of us, probably thinking, man, what the heck is going on in this country? Because this ain't what, no, this is not what we're supposed you know, to be. You know about. what? That's 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 what any guy in uniform, man, fell for. They're probably doing the same thing right now. You know, this is not what we died for. So, and I think a lot of people need to remember that. So, and it's just, it's not about what they want. It's about what the people died for. That's right. Yep. That's right, brother. Well, y'all stay in the fight, Kent. Oh, I will. I got you six, man. But in the meantime, honorbrianterry.com. 
honorbryanterry.com people you heard you heard the man go there all right <laughs> y'all take it easy everybody thanks for tuning in kent thanks for coming on brother you have a good one yep all right you be we'll safe out on there. the next one man i will sir i will take it easy okay man be careful all right <laughs>